Welcome to the July 2023 edition of GCM On The Go. Each month, we provide an audio reading of the feature stories from the latest issue of Gas Compression Magazine. This month's reading is brought to you by Kane's Rotating Machinery Dictionary. With more than 2,000 words and 200 illustrations, Kane's Rotating Machinery Dictionary is designed to help users quickly define and understand frequently used words within the rotating machinery industry. This resource is perfect for anyone needing to identify equipment, processes, and other machinery-orientated components. Learn more at canesdictionary.com. Now, on to the stories. MAN Compressors for a GoGo FPSO. Azul Energy Awards Contracts for a GoGo Integrated West Hub Development Project by B. Henry Henderson. Yinsan Production has placed an order with MAN Energy Solutions for the delivery of nine centrifugal compressor trains for gas production, gas injection, gas lift, and export for a floating production storage and offloading vessel. MAN will also supply two additional screw compressor trains for use as low-pressure compression units for the same vessel. A total of 11 compressor trains will be deployed aboard a vessel operated by Azul Energy and located in the Agogo field about 110 miles west of Angola, Africa. Discovered in 2019, the field lies in Angola Block 15-06 at a water depth of approximately 5,413 feet, where two FPSO vessels currently operate. Once ready for service, the third FPSO will have production capacity of up to 120,000 barrels of oil equivalent per day, 230 million standard cubic feet per day of gas production, including gas lift, and 215 million standard cubic feet per day of gas injection. MAN's scope of supply for the FPSO's gas lift, injection, and export application includes nine electrically driven centrifugal compression trains, which consist of three trains with type RB45 compressors at medium pressure systems, three trains with type RB35 compressors as high pressure units, and three trains with two type RB28 compressors, each as high pressure and gas injection units. The two electrically driven SKUEL 510 screw compressor trains will be used as low pressure compression units. Instead of being flared off, the resulting flash gas will be pressurized by the screw compressors and fed back into the process. All compressor trains will be ready for installation during 2024. The vessel is expected to begin operation in 2025. Yinsan Production is business unit of Malaysia headquartered Yinsan, a global energy infrastructure and technology company. Yinsan Production designs, constructs, and operates production assets for the offshore oil and gas industry and is one of the largest independent FPSO leasing companies globally. Azul Energy is a 50-50 joint venture formed by BP and Eni in 2022. The companies combine their Angolan upstream liquefied natural gas and solar businesses, effectively creating Angola's largest independent equity producer of oil and gas, with more than 200,000 barrels of oil equivalent per day of net oil and gas production and 2 million BOE of net resources. It holds stakes in 16 licenses and ownership in the Angola LNG joint venture. Azul Energy also took over any stake in solar company Solnova. The new FPSO is part of the Agogo Integrated West Hub Development Project, one of the major upstream projects being developed by Azul Energy in Angola. The project comprises 36 new wells, 21 producers, and 15 injectors, one converted FPSO with capacity for 120,000 barrels per day of oil production, 230 million standard cubic feet per day of gas injection, and 120,000 barrels per day of water injection. 
will also entail approximately 62 miles of rigid flow lines, 62 miles of flexible flow lines, and 62 miles of umbilicals. The Agogo Integrated West Hub will produce hydrocarbons from Agogo and Indungu fields via both the existing Nagoma FPSO and the new FPSO. In February 2023, Azul Energy was awarded $7.8 billion in contracts for the Agogo Integrated West Hub development project. Yinsan will supply the FPSO, field operations, and maintenance services. Baker Hughes will supply subsea production systems and aftermarket services. Acker Solutions will supply umbilical systems. SIPIM will supply rigid flow lines and subsea structure transportation and installation. Subsea 7 was awarded a contract for risers, flow lines, and subsea structures, transportation, and installation. Technip FMC won a contract for the supply of risers and flow lines. The new Agogo FPSO will be Yinsan Production's first offshore production project in Angola and marks Yinsan Production's eighth FPSO project in the West African region. One-on-one. A conversation with EFRC Chair Gunther Machu by Brent Haight. The 13th EFRC conference will take place in Zagreb, Croatia from September 19th to 21st, 2023. Founded in 1999, the European Forum for Reciprocating Compressors is a nonprofit association that supports operators, manufacturers, and engineers working with reciprocating compressors. The organization serves as a platform to exchange information and experiences, as well as perform joint research to improve the performance of reciprocating compressors worldwide. Gas Compression Magazine sat down with EFRC Chair Gunther Machu to discuss the gas compression industry and the role the organization plays within the marketplace. In your opinion, what are the biggest challenges facing the gas compression industry today, and what are companies doing to address these challenges? The oil and gas industry is aging. A lot of experts will retire soon, and new people find oil and gas less attractive to work for. To address this, I think digitalization is important. Young people expect work experiences similar to their private experiences using apps. For example, being able to access company knowledge, preferably from the phone, having key performance parameters of critical assets available, and scheduling work electronically. Also, companies that provide a sense of purpose. Why am I doing what I'm doing at work? Find it easier to attract young talent. Next. Oil demand will start to eventually decline, especially in the United States and the European Union. The Middle East and Asia, with large integrated petrochemical complexes, will pick up market shares. Some refineries in the West will try to compensate for this by moving to renewable feedstock, but this has its own challenges. Lastly, natural gas is here to stay, but emissions reductions are a big challenge. Fugitive emissions of methane along the entire value chain, from wellhead compression, gas gathering, processing, and delivery to large cities via pipelines, is a big topic that needs to be addressed urgently. With regards to fugitive emissions reductions, this is becoming a booming market. Lots of new technologies are emerging from identification to quantification, mitigation, and elimination. The market landscape is transforming, but we shouldn't forget that completely new markets are opening as well. For example, along the hydrogen value chain. I can reread that, I guess. The market landscape is transforming, but we shouldn't forget that completely new markets are opening as well. For example, along the hydrogen value chain. The emerging hydrogen economy provides ample opportunities for the compression industry to change direction and engage in solving the various challenges along the hydrogen value chain, from commercial challenges to technical challenges. Lucky for us, reciprocating compressors have emerged as the most promising technology for cost-effective, scalable hydrogen compression. 
Market strength varies by location. In your opinion, which geographic locations hold the most promise for the gas compression industry? North America is the single biggest market for natural gas compression and is here to stay. Not only because natural gas is a cleaner burning alternative to oil and coal, but natural gas could help to provide the massive amounts of hydrogen needed for the upcoming hydrogen economy. Steam methane reforming in combination with carbon capture technologies could bridge the gap between demand and supply in an environmentally friendly way, stimulated further by the U.S. Inflation Reduction Act. In a similar fashion, the EU Green Deal Industrial Plan will stimulate all the applications of compression in the hydrogen value chain, from electrolysis to pipeline feed, hydrogen pipeline compression, trailer filling, hydrogen fueling stations. The opportunities are manifold in the EU, and also in China, Japan, and Korea. In your opinion, what opportunities do environmental, social, and governance mandates and requirements present for the gas compression industry? What challenges do they present? I think that ESG mandates are a huge opportunity for each company. Just, oh, okay. I didn't realize he was going to say that. (laughs) I read it like differently. Okay, that's fine. I think that ESG mandates are a huge opportunity for each company. Just look at the first challenge we discussed at the beginning of our interview, attracting young talent. At the end of the day, ESG mandates provide the chance to create a sense of purpose and meaning for each company. What can we do to reduce our carbon footprint and reduce waste? What can we do to provide better working conditions for our employees and give back to society? Governance provides a framework of trust and transparency, a place where people like me want to work. Challenges in the context of ESG arise if companies just see it as a something we need to have, let's just get behind us. Employees will sense superficiality. Greenwashing is a prominent example of this. At the end of the day, investors rule, and they will have a close look at ESG practices. What market indicators do you follow and track to forecast the short and long-term health of the gas compression industry? There are short-term indicators like oil demand and spot price, rig count, and spot prices of natural gas and liquefied natural gas. There are also investment barometers. For example, are companies starting to hedge gas prices again? In the long term, we have to face a transition. The best way is to follow macro trends, and those clearly lead toward digitalization, reduction of carbon footprint, and better energy efficiency. What new products and or technologies have impressed you most within the last few years? The new technology landscape of methane leak detection, quantification, and mitigation is a fascinating topic. Companies are also working hard to extend the operating envelope of reciprocating compression. For 10,153 PSI, non-lube hydrogen compression required at a hydrogen filling station, the compressor needs to be super flexible in terms of pressure ratio, flow, and side streams. Research and development on stepless control systems, new ring and packing designs, materials, and completely new cylinder ring concepts are very impressive. What opportunities did the hydrogen economy present for the gas compression industry? What are the challenges? The hydrogen economy provides ample opportunities for compression along the value chain, but the challenges are profound as well. Technology challenges, sizable 10,153 to 14,504 PSI non-lube hydrogen compression equipment will be needed soon. A lot of key technical challenges need to be addressed to achieve high levels of reliability. Commercial challenges, at the same time to enable commercially feasible cost of hydrogen to reach fossil fuel parity, gas compression equipment needs to have low capital expenditures and lowest total cost of ownership. Discuss the importance of associations such as the EFRC and the role that the EFRC plays in the overall marketplace. The role the EFRC wants to play in the overall marketplace is best described by our mission statement. We connect professionals to promote the reciprocating compressor on the path to a carbon neutral world. The importance that associations like the EFRC have in the overall marketplace is to first and foremost serve as a nucleus to bring people together. 
component manufacturers, original equipment manufacturers, equipment end users, engineering companies, universities, and research and development organizations. We can finance pre-competitive research and defined focus groups like the EFRC's Future Energies and Compression or Operation and Reliability. We offer comprehensive training on various subjects around the reciprocating compressor, including a biannual student workshop, an excursion visiting end users, universities, and manufacturers. We identify gaps in certain standards and, together with our members, issue publications within our standards group for various subjects. Examples include EFRC guidelines on vibration levels or guidelines on flow meter errors and pulsating flows. All in all, I think the work that EFRC members have performed in the various working groups over the last 20 years has helped increase the performance and reliability of the reciprocating compressor, and that is a very fruitful role that EFRC can play in the overall marketplace. What are your goals for EFRC in 2023? We will host the 13th EFRC conference in Zagreb, Croatia from September 19th to 21st, 2023. We are always looking for a healthy mix of organizations to join the conference and to attract even more end users. Another goal is to increase the number of members by including new members in the hydrogen value chain. They would benefit so much from the interaction in the various EFRC working groups. Also, we are fostering cooperation with other industry organizations and universities. This year, we will be hosting a hydrogen panel discussion at the 13th Conference of Compressors and their systems, together with the City University of London in September as well. LNG Race Report 2023, Upcoming Asian Import Projects by Daniel Felber. The liquefied natural gas market wouldn't be what it is today without Asia. Japan, South Korea, and China are the three largest LNG importing nations in the world. Together, these three countries make up more than half of global import capacity. However, Russia's invasion of Ukraine has disrupted the LNG import market particularly in countries like China, which are willing buyers of Russian gas. When it comes to Asian LNG importers, China has by far the largest backlog of projects. See LNG Ridge Report number 6, China, March 2021, Gas Compression Magazine, page 36. The issue is that the quality of this backlog is deteriorating. Planned and proposed Chinese LNG import projects are at risk of being delayed or even shelved if China permanently pivots away from LNG toward pipelines that connect to Russia. Given their ties to the United States, Japan and South Korea are less likely to import Russian gas. See LNG Race Report number 4, South Korea, January 2021, Gas Compression Magazine, page 20. However, they have massive existing infrastructure, so there's little pressure to ramp up import capacity. See LNG Race Report number 2, Japan, November 2020, Gas Compression Magazine, page 12. The likely path forward for both countries is a gradual increase in LNG import capacity through existing plant expansions paired with renewable energy developments. See LNG Ridge Report number 10, Importers on the Rise. July 2021, Gas Compression Magazine, page 34. India, Vietnam, Thailand, and the Philippines are four countries with rapidly rising emissions, growing economies, and a thirst for an energy source that is relatively affordable, yet cleaner than coal. For that reason, South and Southeast Asia are turning into an LNG hotbed that could have lasting effects for the gas compression industry. Even then, these countries face a slew of challenges and are hypersensitive to LNG spot prices. India. As of March 2023, India has about six LNG import facilities with an import capacity of 42.7 MTPA. The most notable facility is Petronet LNG's Dahej Terminal, which has undergone several expansions and supports an import capacity of 17.5 MTPA, making up more than a third of the country's import capacity on its own. See LNG Risk Report number 8, India. 
May 2021, Gas Compression Magazine, page 38. The terminal has six LNG storage tanks and other vaporization facilities. A multi-phase expansion of 22.5 MTPA is underway. The next step is expected to be complete in 2024 and will add 2.5 MTPA of import capacity to the complex. There's no shortage of Indian LNG import prospects. Rather, the issue is that projects tend to get delayed during the funding or even development stage for myriad reasons. Relatively high LNG spot prices are a recent headwind affecting India's LNG import market. India has been buying Russian oil at a steep discount because of a drop-off in European and Western demand for Russian energy. If India sustains its energy partnership with Russia, we could see additional mainland pipelines between the two countries, or even LNG projects that source Russian gas under long-term supply agreements. For now, many of the country's planned projects are having trouble bridging the gap between the planning and construction stages. For example, a floating storage and regasification unit at the port of Jagra, India, was originally slated to begin operations in Q2 2020. In April 2022, a few months after the contracted FSRU arrived at the port, Hag LNG terminated the contract with the project's operator, H Energy, due to defaulted contract terms. Similarly, the 7.2 MTPA Kakinda LNG terminal appears on track but was initially meant to include an FSRU at the Kakinda Deepwater port for an additional 3.5 MTPA of import capacity. In 2013, Shell and Total Energies were in on the deal but have since abandoned the investment. With so many unreliable operators, perhaps the best way to look at the Indian LNG import market is through Petronet LNG, which continues to be the country's most reliable operator and financier. In December 2022, Petronet LNG, India's largest LNG importer, made a final investment decision on its FSRU at the Gopalpur port. The project is estimated to cost $278 million and have an import capacity of 4 MTPA. The project also has the potential to be converted to an onshore 5 MTPA regasification plant. Another planned FSRU project operated by Petronet LNG will be housed at the Gaganfram port. The project has completed its pre-feasibility studies and has received all necessary approvals. The project is expected to have an import capacity of 5 MTPA. The two FSRUs would add 9 MTPA of capacity to Petronet's existing capacity of roughly 22 MTPA. Petronet isn't the only operator worth following. Tahamra LNG, operated by Adani Group, is an onshore regasification project with an expected import capacity of 5 MTPA. The project was initially expected to be completed in 2021, but was delayed due to COVID-19-induced construction limits. Engineering, procurement, and construction contracts have been awarded to Larson and Tobro for the gas storage tanks and CTCI Corporation for the regasification package. This project will be one to watch in the coming months to see if Adani Group keeps its commitments or backs down. The Chahara LNG terminal is another project that stands a good chance of coming to fruition. Initially a joint venture between Hindustan Petroleum Corporation Limited and SP Ports, HPCL bought out SP Ports' 50% stake in March 2021 and is progressing the project nicely. The project has been awarded an EPC contract for the regasification plant. Japanese firm IHI Group is constructing two 200,000 cubic meter LNG storage tanks for the project. Despite these strides, the currently publicized timeline to have the project complete by 2023 seems unlikely. Vietnam and Thailand. Perhaps the most dynamic LNG import region in Asia is in the countries of Vietnam and Thailand. Vietnam and Thailand have undergone explosive growth in recent years. Combined, their economies are now bigger than Saudi Arabia, 
roughly the size of Turkey and nearly as large as Indonesia and Mexico. Between 2001 and 2021, Vietnam's economy increased more than tenfold. Over the last 10 years, it has more than doubled. Thailand's economy was about four times the size of Vietnam's in 2001. However, it only grew by fourfold between 2001 and 2021. Today, Vietnam's economy is about 75% as large as Thailand's. The catalyst for LNG growth in these countries is straightforward. The economies of both countries are dependent on energy-intensive manufacturing. So far, coal, oil, and natural gas and hydropower have made up the bulk of the energy mix. Substituting coal for natural gas will be an essential pivot to help both countries achieve sustained economic growth while also lowering their carbon footprint. Western companies, particularly in the United States, continue to shift manufacturing centers away from China and into Southeast Asia, which further supports Thailand and Vietnam. With such strong ties to the United States, there are a great deal of geopolitical incentives in place for these countries to import LNG from the United States or even neighboring exporters like Indonesia, Malaysia, or Australia. Thailand and Vietnam are rapidly growing, energy-dependent countries that happen to be the closest buyers for Australia, which is one of the three largest LNG exporting countries in the world. See LNG race report number one, Australia, October 2020, Gas Compression Magazine, page 36. This geographical advantage, combined with the discussed geographic ties, makes Vietnam and Thailand ripe for a rapid increase in LNG imports. Map to Phut LNG Terminal 2 received its first commissioning cargo of LNG in 2022. The 7.5 MTPA terminal is a joint venture between PTT LNG Company and the Electricity Generating Authority of Thailand. Thai EGOT LNG FSRU is in the planning phase with a 2024 in-service date. Owned and operated by the Electricity Generating Authority of Thailand, the project is expected to have a capacity of 5 MTPA. Vietnam has quite a few LNG projects in the works. Like India, high global gas prices and supply chain uncertainties are weighing heavily on the Vietnamese LNG market and have disrupted the completion of several planned projects. The Thai Vai LNG terminal was in the news in June 2022 after Petro Vietnam announced that construction of the terminal's first phase was 95% complete. The company is working on an expansion phase to bring the project's capacity to 3 MTPA. The Philippines the Philippines' power grid is largely supported by natural gas-fired power plants. In the past, these plants have been able to rely on domestic supply from the country's Malampaya gas field in the West Philippine Sea. However, 25 years of production have taken their toll on reserve levels, which are forecasted to be depleted as early as 2027. The country's solution is to build a network of onshore and offshore LNG terminals, mostly located south of Manila on the island of Luzlan, which makes up the eastern shore of the West Philippine Sea. In April 2023, the country received its first ever LNG cargo at the 5 MTPA Philippines LNG terminal operated by Atlantic Gulf and Pacific Company. The terminal also features 258,000 cubic meters of storage. High Asian LNG spot prices derailed development optimism in 2022. However, with prices coming down and the global LNG supply chain normalizing, the Philippines is looking to boost LNG production to secure a reliable power source. In April 2023, BWLNG announced it was gearing up to deploy the BW Baton Gas FSRU to the Baton Gas LNG Import Terminal. The project features three MTPA of import capacity and 160,000 cubic meters of storage. The project is operated by FirstGen and owned by FirstGen and Tokyo Gas. The two companies contracted BWLNG's FSRU for up to 10 years. BWLNG said it expects to deliver the vessel by the end of Q2 or the beginning of Q3 2023. <laughs> Twenty twenty three summer natural gas outlook. 
Editor's note. The U.S. Federal Energy Regulatory Commission has published a joint report from FERC's Office of Energy Policy and Innovations Division of Energy Market Assessments and the Office of Electric Reliabilities Division of Engineering and Logistics titled 2023 Summer Energy Market and Electric Reliability Assessment. The report provides an outlook for U.S. energy markets and electric reliability from June to September 2023. What follows is an excerpt from that report, which focuses on the summer outlook for the U.S. natural gas market. The entire summer assessment can be viewed online by visiting the GCM Resource Center at www.gascompressionmagazine.com slash resource center. Now, on to the feature. Natural gas prices are currently expected to be substantially lower in summer 2023 than they were in 2022, as market fundamentals have largely shifted away from the tight supply-demand balances and market pressures of last year in most regions to a well-supplied market. According to the U.S. Energy Information Administration's short-term energy outlook, domestic natural gas production is expected to continue to grow in 2023, exceeding 100 billion standard cubic feet per day during the summer for the first time, while natural gas demand is also expected to grow primarily due to increased feed gas demand for liquefied natural gas exports. Natural gas storage inventories at the beginning of summer are expected to be well above the historic average, and the likely modest storage build necessary to enter winter above the average is contributing to lower summer futures prices. Natural gas prices. Natural gas prices this summer are expected to be lower at every major trading hub across the United States compared to the final settled futures prices of summer 2022. The natural gas futures prices for summer 2023 are the average of the June 2023, July 2023, August 2023, and September 2023 futures contracts as of May 8, 2023. The Henry Hub futures contract price generally serves as the largest component of summer futures prices for all trading locations. As of May 8, 2023, that price averaged $2.41 per million BTU for June 2023 through September 2023, down 71.3% from last summer's settled price average of $8.37 per million BTU. Many factors affected traded natural gas prices, but lower futures prices at the Henry Hub for this summer appear largely driven by forecasts of greater availability of supply than last summer with a reduced need to inject natural gas into storage given above average storage inventories. Henry Hub natural gas prices are also affected by regional factors, including the trading hub's location in Louisiana as the surrounding Gulf Coast region is expected to experience a combination of weaker industrial and electric power sector demand this summer, which would put downward pressure on prices. Natural gas futures contracts at U.S. trading hubs may trade at a premium above or a discount below the eventual Henry Hub settled futures price, a market dynamic known as basis. Trading hubs with basis premiums or futures prices above the Henry Hub futures price reflect the cost of pipeline transportation to the regional hubs that may include pipeline constraints or limitations to receiving natural gas from lower cost production areas. Basis discounts or prices below the Henry Hub typically indicate trading hubs with more readily available supply less concern about weather events causing high demand and large price increases, and at times the amount of production exceeding the availability of pipeline capacity to move natural gas from the location. The Henry Hub's summer 2023 futures price is trading at an average of $2.41 per million BTU. The main Southern California trading hub, the SoCal City Gate, is trading at an average of $3.72 per million BTU, above the Henry Hub a basis premium that is higher than the 2022 basis of $1.40 per million BTU. 
However, because of lower year-over-year prices than the Henry Hub, the total summer price at the SoCal City Gate is $6.13 per million BTU, 37.3% lower than the summer 2022 price of $9.77 per million BTU, which was the highest summer average seen at SoCal City Gate in the last five years. The basis shift reflects, in part, local natural gas storage inventories that are at almost half the storage level seen at this time last year. At the Waha Trading Hub, a point that represents the Permian Basin production area located in West Texas and southeastern New Mexico, futures prices for this summer are trading at average $1.24 per million BTU below the Henry Hub. This is lower than in summer 2022, when futures prices at Waha settled at $0.99 per million BTU below the Henry Hub. Over the past decade, the Permian Basin has frequently faced limited pipeline takeaway capacity for natural gas production associated with crude oil production. That reduces the amount of natural gas that can be transported out of the basin to markets, and thus results in significant price discounts at the Waha Trading Hub relative to the Henry Hub price. Natural gas production. The EIA forecasts summer 2023 total dry natural gas production to average 100.1 billion standard cubic feet per day, an increase of 0.9% from the summer 2022 average of 99.2 billion standard cubic feet per day, and an 8.3% increase from the previous five-year summer average of 92.4 billion standard cubic feet per day. Dry natural gas production has increased year over year every summer since 2018, except summer 2020 due to the economic impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic. Although summer over summer dry natural gas production growth exceeded 10% in 2018 and 2019 prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, growth incentivized price-sensitive countries, particularly in Southeast Asia, to import more LNG. The EIA forecasts gross LNG exports to average 12.3 billion standard cubic feet per day in June, July, August, and September 2023 up from 9.8 billion standard cubic feet per day in summer 2022. Altogether, the United States is forecast to be a net exporter of natural gas this summer, with net natural gas exports, including LNG and via pipeline, averaging 13.9 billion standard cubic feet per day, compared to 10.1 billion standard cubic feet per day in summer 2022. The United States is expected to remain the world's largest LNG exporter in summer 2023. The United States became the world's largest LNG exporter during the first half of 2022. In addition to LNG exports, gross pipeline exports are forecast to increase by 0.6 billion standard cubic feet per day from summer 2022 and average 8.7 billion standard cubic feet per day this summer. For context, gross pipeline exports averaged 5.9 billion standard cubic feet per day to Mexico and 2.2 billion standard cubic feet per day to Canada in summer 2022. Mexico has expanded its natural gas pipeline infrastructure over the past few years to allow it to increasingly rely on imported natural gas from U.S. pipelines. The Baja Express project will further increase pipeline export capacity to Mexico by approximately 0.5 billion standard cubic feet per day when it goes into service this year. In contrast, the EIA expects gross pipeline imports primarily from Canada to average 7 billion standard cubic feet per day in summer 2023, a 0.8 billion standard cubic feet per day year-over-year decrease. Natural gas storage. Natural gas storage inventories help to balance natural gas demand and supply and are fundamental to price formation. 
Mild winter weather resulted in natural gas storage inventories ending the 2022 to 2023 withdrawal season at 1,830 billion standard cubic feet, which is 32% more than at the start of the 2022 injection season and 22% more than the average at the start of the last five injection seasons. According to the EIA, natural gas storage inventories are forecast to grow by 1,932 billion standard cubic feet during the 2023 injection season. After those injections are added to volumes and storage at the start of the 2023 injection season, natural gas storage inventories are projected to start the 2023 to 2024 winter storage withdrawal season at 3,762 billion standard cubic feet, 3% above the start of the 2022 to 2023 winter withdrawal season, and 3% above the five-year average start of the last five winter storage withdrawal seasons. This month's reading is brought to you by Kane's Rotating Machinery Dictionary. With more than 2,000 words and 200 illustrations, Kane's Rotating Machinery Dictionary is designed to help users quickly define and understand frequently used words within the rotating machinery industry. This resource is perfect for anyone needing to identify equipment, processes, and components. Learn more at canesdictionary.com. Now, back to the reading. Baker Hughes's Hat Trick. Baker Hughes lands three major LNG compression deals to supply main refrigerant centrifugal compressors and gas turbines to drive Port Arthur LNG, Petronas Sabah LNG project, and Qatar's Northfield South project by Daniel Felber. Baker Hughes is taking a liquefied natural gas industry by storm. The company was awarded an order by Bechtel to supply two main refrigerant compressors for Sempra Infrastructure's Port Arthur LNG Phase 1 project in Jefferson County, Texas. Baker Hughes will supply two 1MTPA LM9000 gas turbine-driven compressor trains for the Petronas Nearshore LNG facility in Sabah, Malaysia. The company was also awarded an order to supply two MRCs for the Northfield South project, which will be executed by Qatar Gas. According to Baker Hughes' website, there are currently 60 LNG plants in operation or under construction around the world that rely on its turbo machinery, which drives more than 450 MTPA of global installed LNG capacity. This accomplishment makes Baker Hughes the most referenced original equipment manufacturer for large gas turbines on main refrigerants. The company's work on Port Arthur Phase 1, the Petronas Sabah LNG project, and NFS will add to its installed LNG capacity. Baker Hughes Compressors for Port Arthur LNG Phase 1 project. Sempra announced a positive final investment decision for the development, construction, and operation of the Port Arthur LNG Phase 1 project on March 20, 2023. Total capital expenditures for the Port Arthur Phase 1 project are estimated at $13 billion. The Port Arthur LNG Phase 1 project is fully permitted and designed to include two LNG trains, two LNG storage tanks, and associated facilities. See Sempra Eyes FID on 13 MTPA $10.5 billion Port Arthur LNG project. December 2022, Gas Compression Magazine, page 20. To achieve Port Arthur Phase 1's nameplate capacity of 13 MTPA, Baker Hughes said in a press release it will supply four Frame 7 turbines paired with eight centrifugal compressors across two LNG trains, as well as two electric motor-driven compressors for the plant's boosting services. We are delighted to be working with Bechtel and Sempra Infrastructure to supply critical equipment for this innovative LNG project, said Baker Hughes Chair and CEO Lorenzo Simonelli in a March 27th news release. Baker Hughes has been committed to LNG for more than 30 years, and today's announcement builds on our track record of delivering high availability and reliable LNG technology with low total cost of operations, 
further enabling increased exports of LNG from the U.S. Gulf Coast to meet global energy needs. Packaging of the turbine compressor train, as well as manufacturing the compressors and testing the trains, will take place at Baker Hughes' facilities in Italy. The expected commercial operation dates for Port Arthur LNG Phase 1, Train 1, and Train 2 are 2027 and 2028, respectively. According to Sempra's press note, the long-term contractable capacity of approximately 10.5 MTPA is fully subscribed under binding long-term agreements with strong counterparties, ConocoPhillips, RWE Supply and Trading, PKNORLENSA, NEOS, and NGSA, all of which become effective upon reaching FIAD. Sempra is now actively marketing and developing the Port Arthur LNG Phase 2 project, which is expected to have similar offtake capacity to Phase 1. Baker Hughes Technology for Patronus LNG Project. Baker Hughes will supply two LM9000 gas turbine-driven compressor trains of one MTPA each for the Patronus Nearshore LNG facility in Sabah, Malaysia. The contract also includes an order for spare parts. The facility is scheduled to reach commercial operations by the second half of 2027 and is designed to produce two MTPA of LNG. Malaysia finished 2021 with an export capacity of around 25 MTPA, making it one of the 10 largest LNG exporting nations in the world. Baker Hughes Compressors and Turbines for Northfield South Project. The MRCs for Qatar Gas are part of two LNG trains representing 16 MTPA of additional capacity. Each MRC train will consist of three-frame 9E DLN ultra-low NOx gas turbines and six centrifugal compressors across two LNG trains for a total scope of supply of six gas turbines to drive 12 centrifugal compressors. Like the Port Arthur Phase 1 project, Packaging, manufacturing, and testing of the gas turbine compressor trains will take place at Baker Hughes' gas technology facilities in Italy and leverage its service site in Razlaf in Qatar for maintenance and technical assistance services. We are pleased to be a longtime partner to Qatar, helping to position the country as a leading supplier of LNG and helping to unlock more global capacity, said Simonelli. LNG will enable the energy transition by acting as a more reliable, affordable, and flexible energy source alongside other new energy sources, including renewables and hydrogen. Baker Hughes is committed to supporting the LNG sector to capture, transfer, and transform gas in a way that meets rising energy demand and reduces emissions. The order builds upon a previously announced award for Northfield East expansion in 2020 and will bring the overall supply of LNG megatrains driven by Baker Hughes' energy solutions to 12. At the time, it was among the largest LNG deals secured by Baker Hughes in the past five years, for both MTPA and equipment awarded. Baker Hughes said that the NFE project will feature the latest compression technology to reduce 60,000 tons of carbon dioxide per train each year without any reduction in LNG production, representing a 5% decrease versus previous technologies. The compression trains will also be produced using the latest manufacturing techniques, minimizing raw material and emissions-intensive processes to reduce CO2 emissions during production by up to 10%. The North Field is the world's single largest non-associated natural gas field. The NFS project, owned by Qatar Energy in partnership with a number of international oil companies and operated by Qatar Gas, is the second phase of the North Field expansion project, which was announced in 2017. When fully completed, it will increase Qatar's LNG production capacity by 110 MTPA, which will be achieved by the end of the first phase Northfield East expansion in 2025 to 126 MTPA by 2027. For context, the International Gas Union estimated in April 2022 that global liquefaction capacity was 472.4 MTPA and global regasification capacity was 901.9 MTPA. 
The NFS project involves producing gas from the southern sector of the North Field. The gas will be transported by pipeline to Razlafen Industrial City to process it into LNG for exports. The upstream part of the NFS will include five platforms, 50 wells, and gas pipelines to the onshore processing plant. The downstream component of the project will involve delivering eight MTPA of liquefaction. The native CO2 generated from the natural gas production will be captured and sequestered to reduce its greenhouse gas emissions intensity. The processing plant will be connected to Qatar's electrical grid. Baker Hughes's extensive history of driving Qatar's LNG infrastructure. Envisioning an export market unconstrained by land, Qatar was arguably the greatest pioneer of the development of LNG. Qatar Petroleum, the state-owned national oil company, established Qatar Gas One in 1984, consisting of three LNG trains and a production capacity close to 10 MTPA. See LNG Ridge Report Number 3, Qatar, December 2020, Gas Compression Magazine, page 34. Then, in 1997, the facility sold its first shipment of LNG to Chubu Electric, a Japanese electric utilities provider. See LNG Risk Report Number 2, Japan, November 2020, Gas Compression Magazine, page 12. By 2010, Qatar had by far the highest LNG export capacity of any country in the world. Baker Hughes played a pivotal role in developing Qatar's LNG infrastructure. A case study published by Baker Hughes in the summer of 2020 recaps the longstanding collaboration and support to LNG projects in the country. Qatar's next LNG growth chapter. Qatar's LNG growth stagnated between 2010 and 2021. However, over the summer of 2022, Qatar Energy began awarding stakes in its NFEE LNG project. Over the fall and winter of 2022, Qatar Energy finalized several deals with major integrated oil and gas majors. Total Energies invested $1.5 billion for a 25% share in a joint venture for one of the NFEE LNG trains. In other words, it got two MTPA worth of capacity, or 1 16th of the project. Exxon Mobil and Shell signed similar deals, while ConocoPhillips and Innie each signed deals for 1 32nd of the project. Qatar Energy retained a 75% ownership of the NFEE. See mergers and markets, Qatar Energy enters five JVs for world's largest LNG expansion project. August 2022, Gas Compression Magazine, page 6. On January 8th, Qatar Energy made an FID with Chevron Phillips Chemical Company, LLC, to build a $6 billion integrated olefins and polyethylene facility at Raz Laffin Industrial City, Qatar. Known as the Raz Laffin Petrochemicals Complex, Qatar Energy will retain a majority 70% share of the project, with CP Chem controlling the other 30%. Chevron and Phillips 66 each hold a 50% stake in CP Chem. See mergers and markets. Qatar opens door to record LNG petrochemical investment. February 2023, Gas Compression Magazine, page 6. Qatar Energy said that the Razlafin Petrochemicals Complex is expected to begin production in 2026. It will consist of an ethane cracker and 2.1 MTPA of ethylene capacity. If all goes according to plan, that will make the complex the largest ethylene production facility in the Middle East and one of the largest in the world. In addition to the ethane cracker, the facility will include two polyethylene trains with a combined output of 1.7 MTPA of high-density polyethylene polymer products. All told, the Razlaf and Petrochemicals Complex would boost Qatar's overall petrochemical production capacity to almost 14 MTPA. Proven Solutions for Modern Projects Baker Hughes's Frame 9E turbines, which were instrumental in the Qatar Gas 2, are being used for the NFS expansion nearly 15 years later. Baker Hughes's solutions have been around for several years. 
the company remains uniquely positioned to deliver an integrated compressor and turbine package for LNG trains. Baker Hughes is leveraging decades of experience in the gas and LNG space and proven solutions to accomplish modern projects that are more complex than ever before. The company continues to lower emissions and reduce costs for its customers and has invested in developing new compression solutions that can thrive in a low-carbon future. See the rise of zero emissions compression. December 2022, Gas Compression Magazine, page 36. The completion of projects like Port Arthur Phase 1 and NFS will meaningfully increase the world's LNG export capacity, create thousands of jobs, and provide a reliable and secure source of energy for industrializing countries looking for lower emissions alternatives to coal. Custom-engineered air-cooled heat exchangers. North American Air Exchanger finds success with robust air cooler designs by Brent Haight. North American Air Exchanger has moved into a new 92,000-square-foot manufacturing facility in Wagner, Oklahoma. Located on 33 acres, the facility contains 17 cranes, including two 30-ton cranes, two 15-ton cranes, and two 10-ton cranes. The clear height ranges from 19 to 44 feet, with hook heights ranging from 20 to 22 feet allowing NA Air Exchanger the space needed to manufacture custom-engineered air-cooled heat exchangers regardless of size and customer requirements. The company was founded by Rusty Kite and Blake Minton in 2020. Air-cooled conglomeration over the past decade has resulted in manufacturers removing masks from their cooler designs wherever possible to cut costs and maximize profit. This has resulted in flimsy designs with vibration and tube leak issues at startup not to mention accelerated deterioration of structural components after only a few years of exposure to the harsh elements of the oil and gas industry, said Minton. We found that the customer was getting lost in the shuffle. A lot of the corporations were focusing more on their internal metrics than their external customers, and it was starting to show. Kite and Minton started NA Air Exchanger with two laptops, a pair of cell phones, and decades of combined air cooler experience. In the beginning, we worked from our homes and outsourced manufacturing, said Minton. We had great customers and vendors, which helped us get on our feet and get things started quickly. After a year of outsourcing the manufacturing, we started running into lead time and capacity issues. In February 2022, we moved into a small fabrication facility in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. The company's first shop was 6,000 square feet. Six months later, the company was already in need of more space. We started searching for our forever home, said Kite. The new shop is 30 minutes away from our original location. At 90,000 square feet, we have the capability to do more in-house and continue to grow. Today, we have 10 employees. We plan to employ 30 by the end of the year, said Minton. We expect to double that again by the end of 2024. So we're creating jobs in the local community. It's a rural area. So we're bringing opportunities for skilled labor to stay closer to home. A lot of the fabricators, ASME pressure vessel welders, structural welders, and assemblers drive 40 miles to Tulsa, Oklahoma every day for the same job. We can offer the same competitive pay, benefits, and amenities of a big city operation, but are located in the small town community where they live. Robust design. NA Air Exchanger prides itself on robust air cooler designs and heavy equipment. I came from the field service world where I dealt with a lot of field vibration issues, said Kite, whereas a lot of the competitors have been taking out steel to save weight and cut costs. That is not our approach. You will find that our air coolers routinely outweigh the competition. Our material thickness are typically 10% to 20% thicker on most of our materials. Thermally, we tend to use a very conservative air side performance, and so we end up being very conservative on the rotating components such as the fan horsepower, shafting, bearings, things of that nature, added Kite. 
Not only is that good thermally, because you can take advantage of that in the future if you need to repitch your fan and pull a little bit more horsepower, but also mechanically, things are sized for flexibility in the field. If you go to do a retrofit on one of our coolers, there's a decent chance you might have enough horsepower there to not have to change out the drive. NA Air Exchanger targets wellhead gas compression, gas transmission, gas processing, and mobile power generation markets. To date, it has more than 100 units in the field made up of both engine and electric motor drive configurations. We have extremely low to non-existent vibration, said Kite. We've built everything from small air coolers that would fit on your desk all the way to a 50-ton unit more than 70 feet long that we delivered to Mexico. And all models as well, added Minton. We are very flexible and versatile. Vertical fans and horizontal fans, engine-driven, electric motor-driven to multiple fans, there's not a cooler we've encountered that we can't compete against. North America encompasses 95% of NA Air Exchanger's business. The company has delivered units throughout the United States as well as Canada and Mexico. According to Kite, the company's knowledge-based engineering allows fast turnaround. The way this organization has been set up, we have the ability to turn engineering drawings and details into production much faster than anybody else, said Kite. We have optimized our thermal and mechanical design software, use a competitive pricing structure, qualify our manufacturing partners, and produce an engineer-to-order solution that is guaranteed to perform. We're here to make a difference and to get back to basics at Edmonton. We treat customers the way they want to be treated, manufacture quality products, and provide great service. EU to simplify hydrogen investments, European Union to establish European Hydrogen Bank by Brent Haight. The European Commission has set out new plans to stimulate and support investment in hydrogen production through a European hydrogen bank. Hydrogen can make a major contribution to Europe's ambitions to end imports of Russian fossil fuels and to achieve climate neutrality by 2050. The EHB is designed to address initial financial challenges to create an emerging renewable hydrogen market. It will also have an international dimension to facilitate renewable hydrogen imports to the European Union. According to the EC, this initiative is aimed at accelerating investment and bridging the investment gap for the EU to reach its repower EU targets of domestically producing 11 million tons of renewable hydrogen by 2030, coupled with 11 million tons of imports. The main aim of the EHB is to unlock private investments in hydrogen value chains in the EU and in third world countries by addressing the initial investment challenges and needs. By doing so, it will support an emerging European hydrogen market and offer new growth opportunities and job creation. The EHB will play a coordinating role to increase transparency on hydrogen flows, transactions, and prices, gather demand and supply information, provide transparent price information, and develop price benchmarks. It will also facilitate blending with the existing financial instruments to support hydrogen projects. It will support infrastructure planning and provide visibility on hydrogen infrastructure needs. Expected to be operational this fall, the EC has outlined four components of the EHB. Two are financing mechanisms for creating the EU domestic market and for international imports into the EU. The third is linked to transparency and coordination, assessing demand, infrastructure needs, hydrogen flows, and cost data. The final component is streamlining existing financial instruments, coordinating and blending these with new public and private funding, both in the EU and internationally. The EHB is intended to cover and lower the cost gap between renewable hydrogen and fossil fuels for early projects. This will be achieved through an auction system for renewable hydrogen production to support producers through a fixed price payment per kilogram of hydrogen produced for a maximum of 10 years of operation. The first pilot auctions are currently being designed, and they are due to be launched this fall. 
backed by $861 million from the Innovation Fund, a funding program for the demonstration of innovative low-carbon technologies. The EHB will create an EU auction platform offering auctions as a service for member states, using both Innovation Fund and member state resources to fund renewable hydrogen projects. To achieve the 11 million tons of domestic renewable hydrogen production foreseen in the Repower EU plan, total investment needs are estimated at $360 billion to $507 billion, including $215 billion to $322 billion needed for additional renewable energy production. The vast majority of this will come from private funding, but public funding through the EU financial instruments and state aid can play an important role in leveraging private investment, especially in the early days of establishing the hydrogen market. The EU cohesion policy funding, especially through the European Regional Development Fund and the Just Transition Fund, as well as the Invest EU Fund with the European Investment Bank as the main implementing partner, also provides significant support to member states and regions for their investments across the whole hydrogen supply chain. The EHB will help streamline access to these and other financial instruments for member states and project developers. From an international perspective, the EHB will support EU partner countries in their green transition efforts and renewable energy investments, as well as standby member states and companies in coordinating the cooperation with third world countries, supporting the development of reliable supply chains and rules-based international hydrogen markets. For example, the EC proposes to offer a green premium for renewable hydrogen imports via a similar auction system as used for the domestic market. The big picture. The EHB is part of the EC's March 2023 legislative proposal for a Net Zero Industry Act, which aims to boost EU manufacturing of clean technologies. The latest option in the EU's legislative playbook, the EC has already proposed a legislative framework for their production, consumption, infrastructure development, and market design for hydrogen, including binding targets for renewable hydrogen consumption in industry and transport under the revised Renewable Energy Directive. Initially introduced in 2009 and updated in 2021, the Renewable Energy Directive sets the overarching European renewable energy target of 32% and includes rules to ensure the uptake of renewables in the transport sector and in heating and cooling, as well as common principles and rules for renewable support schemes, the rights to produce and consume renewable energy, and to establish renewable energy communities, and sustainability criteria for biomass. It also establishes rules to remove barriers, stimulate investments, and drive cost reductions in renewable energy technologies. More recently, in February 2023, the EC set out rules defining what renewable hydrogen is for the EU. This is a follow-up from the European Hydrogen Strategy from 2020, which set out the initial aims for increasing renewable hydrogen in the EU. Most of these policy proposals are still under negotiation between the European Parliament and the Council. As part of the Net Zero Industry Act, the EC adopted a plan to set up the European Hydrogen Bank. The EU is a powerhouse for research and innovation, and we want to keep it that way, said Kadri Simpson, Commissioner for Energy. Renewable hydrogen will also play an important role in the EU's transition to climate neutrality by 2050. The EHB will establish a full hydrogen value chain in the EU alongside the Net Zero Industry Act. Those industries making early decisions to redirect or focus on clean tech deployment will benefit. In parallel to the legislative process, Europe has developed a strong pipeline of hydrogen projects. The European Clean Hydrogen Alliance identified 840 hydrogen projects across all parts of the value chain. Europe is also home to the world's first hydrogen-based steel production projects. 16 EU member states have adopted national hydrogen strategies, which collectively amount to 40 gigawatts of electrolyzer capacity targeted for 2030, or 6.1 million tons of renewable hydrogen. 
We need to move our hydrogen economy from niche to scale, said EU President Ursula von der Leyen in her State of the Union address. With Repower EU, we have doubled our 2030 target to produce 11 million tons of renewable hydrogen in the EU each year. To achieve this, we must create a market maker for hydrogen to bridge the investment gap and connect future supply and demand. The new EHB will help guarantee the purchase of hydrogen, notably by using resources from the Innovation Fund. It will be able to invest billions to help build the future markets for hydrogen. Thanks for listening to the July 2023 edition of GCM on the Go. This month's reading is brought to you by Kane's Rotating Machinery Dictionary. With more than 2,000 words and 200 illustrations, Kane's Rotating Machinery Dictionary is designed to help users quickly define and understand frequently used words within the rotating machinery industry. This resource is perfect for anyone needing to identify equipment, processes, and components. Learn more at canesdictionary.com. GCM on the Go is produced by Third Coast Publishing Group. Music by Park and Ride Next Exit. I'm Danny Filber. Hi, I'm Brent, a producer of GCM on the Go. If you made it this far into the podcast, first and foremost, thank you. We appreciate you listening to the show. Second, be sure to check out Gas Compression Magazine. There's so much more than what you hear in this podcast. Feature articles contain detailed images, charts, tables, maps, and other visuals that they just don't translate to this format. You don't want to miss them. In addition, each issue of Gas Compression Magazine includes monthly columns like contracts and permits, machinery in motion, reliable compression, what went wrong, mergers and markets, hate report, in the news, and so much more. If you've not already done so, be sure to subscribe to the magazine. Not only will you get monthly delivery of Gas Compression Magazine for free, but you can also sign up to get our twice-monthly digital newsletter, receive free access to the GCM Resource Center, and tons of other benefits that come with subscribing. Print, digital, or both, it's always free to subscribe to Gas Compression Magazine. Visit www.gascompressionmagazine.com to learn more and to sign up.